thank God for Calvary. Hallelujah. Where would we be? Scary thought, isn't it? To be at the mercy of a holy God. Without the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ. The scripture says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I'm so glad for the Lamb. Hallelujah. Well, good to see you here today. Thank you for coming out to worship together. Appreciate your faithful support, not just in your presence, but with your prayers, with your giving, with all that you do to serve the kingdom of God. I was thinking about it this morning when I woke up. I don't know how I got into that mindset, but I was just thinking about how we labor so diligently and faithfully just on a promise, just on the promise that he will reward us with not just eternal life, but all that comes with that life. You know, I... I, If anybody else made me such a promise, I don't think I could take them seriously. You know, I've had, uh, I've had, uh, I've had bosses over the years and people I've worked for over the years saying, well, if you'll just do this for me, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. And, and, uh, maybe they meant, well, I'm not, I'm not charging anybody with any sort of dishonesty, but, I have yet to find find one that I could take them at their word. Amen. Uh, they they may have meant yes. to do it, but in the end, I have found that they do what suits them uh, and what profits them. But somehow, I have confidence yes. that He who has promised Amen. is faithful Amen. and will keep His promise. Praise God! So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for all that you do to keep the kingdom of God moving forward in this world. And here at Lighthouse, we're doing our best to change this community around us and places all over this world. We see so much, so much going on. It's just impossible. Somebody asked me the other day, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? And I said, it's just impossible to keep up. I can't even, I'm, I'm perpetually three months behind on everything. I just, I just, you just can't keep up with all that's going on. But thank God. And we know he who promised is faithful. We're going to ask all of the brethren to meet with Brother Keith up here after the end of today's service. I going to go out on a limb and say that this has something to do with next Sunday's Mother's Day service. So it can't believe we've made it to May. Lord is, he is faithful, but man, time is moving quickly. We are are in May and that means it's uh, Mother's Day month. So 
You want to do right by all those faithful women, those faithful women of God who have served the church so faithfully over the years. So, brethren, if you could meet with Brother Keith, and then I believe all other uh, schedules are as normal. Five o'clock this afternoon will be prayer on the uh, prayer line. Wednesday also at 12 noon. You can possibly get away from your responsibilities just for a few minutes to pray with Reverend Foga on Wednesdays at 12. I know that would be tremendous blessing to you, to church. Wednesday nights, 745. We're at Sinai. We're getting there. We've made it to the mountain. Right? We've made it to the mountains. So uh, this week we'll be talking about what took place on that mountain and those commandments and all that went across there. So be with us 7.45 Wednesday evening and then next Sunday morning for Sunday school and for morning worship. I ask you to return to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Hallelujah. We've been talking to you for several weeks now since Easter about the resurrection. We talked about the resurrection of Christ last week. We mentioned, we explained what is meant by that 20th verse, that concept of the first fruit. Thank God we have that evidence. It would be one thing if we were simply believing in the resurrection as some sort of matter of faith or or some matter of polity, but we have the actual evidence. He is risen. You can't do better than that. that, That's the best guarantee you can have of the reality of the resurrection, is that there is now one who has been resurrected from death. And that serves, that first fruit principle serves as the foundation of our hope. And on our confidence, we hold fast to this confidence. Because he lives, we will live also. And we talked a little bit about that death principle and what a challenge it is to our faith. And we talked a little bit last week about what Adam did, Christ has undone, or or, or how we'll do over and do correctly. You ever want to hear? Sometimes you do something and you look at it and say, no, that's not right. That's not how it was supposed to work. That didn't go right. So what do you do? You tear it all down and you do it again. And this time you do it right. And Christ has done that for us. And so today we're going to pick up around verse 23. But I'm going to read the whole passage for context so that you know what's going on. First Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 20 says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. 
The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. May the blessing of God accompany the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this opportunity to hear from you, to hear from heaven. We pray, O oh God, for the anointing to flow freely and clearly. Thank you for these scriptures. Thank you for this hope. Thank you, Father God, that we can turn to your word and find the truth, the way, the life. Thank you, Lord, for those who minister your word. Help the one who ministers today. You know all of his limitations. Help those who hear and receive by faith. Let this word take root. Let it bear fruit. These things we ask in Jesus' name, and all agree and say, Amen. So, if Christ is the first fruits, what about us? As we go through this passage, we want to make it. Uh, I, I want to make it very clear that the question of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was, in the minds of these first followers, a settled fact. They had seen him. And they had talked with those who had seen him. Of course, every question that, or every event that happens, uh, no matter how wonderful or how great or how magnificent that event is, even if it's a, a, a completely unprecedented event, like the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the human mind, the human nature, always seems to go back to the same question. Well, that's great for Jesus. But what about me? How does this affect me? How does the resurrection of Jesus Christ affect those who receive and believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And this is a, 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 a critical question. It would, it, would be a, a, it would be an amazing event. We could look at it as one of those great events of, of human history, the greatest event of human history. But if it didn't change anything in our life or change anything about us, it would not carry uh, much beyond the fact that it was just an amazing event. You know, I, I think back, uh, uh, I was born in the year 1969. In 1969, uh, Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon for the first time. That's an incredible event. But I, have, I, I, I don't imagine, I can't predict everything that will happen in the future, but I don't imagine I will ever go to the moon. Now, if you want to collect an offering and get me a ride on one of those shuttle or one of those uh, rockets that these uh, these billionaires keep shooting up, uh, I'd say thank you for the thought, but no, thank you. I have, I have no interest in strapping myself to uh, 200,000 pounds of uh, of rocket fuel, and 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 no, it's it's not for me. It's just, it's not my it's not. I, I'll sit back and I'll watch. I enjoy the spectacle, but. Uh, as amazing as what Neil Armstrong accomplished and those, of course, that were part of that program, uh, in terms of my own personal life, uh, all I really got out of it was Velcro. 
right? <laughs> if you know the story of Velcro, it was invented uh, to, to, at the same to, by the people that were building these rockets to to be able to strap things into place in the rockets. So I, I like Velcro. Velcro is a wonderful thing, but it didn't really change my life in any meaningful way. A great event, historic event, but not personally relevant to me because I'm not going to the moon. So there can be an amazing event happen, but if it doesn't have any relevance to us, it just remains an amazing event. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ would fall in this category if we ourselves were not going to benefit or, or have any part in what he had experienced. But that is not what they believe. That is not what they taught. That is not what the hope of the Christian is. The hope of the Christian is as Christ was raised from the dead, so also will all those in Christ be raised from the dead. Somebody say amen to that. I believe in the resurrection day. I believe one day the voice of the archangel will sound. The trump of God will resound. I believe the voice of heaven will call all those who sleep in the dust of the earth. And we will awake. We will come back out of our graves. I pass by those cemeteries every day. And every day I'm reminded that what the, that, that is a temporary sphere of existence. That is a temporary condition. That we were built to, to live eternally and that we will live eternally. But the question then would have to go to when is this going to happen? We've been waiting a very long time. We have put many a faithful brother and a faithful sister, a faithful mother and a faithful father. We have put them in their caskets. We have put them in the ground. And it's happened generation after generation after generation. We can go, you can go to some places in Europe or some places in the Middle East and you can see uh, the tombs and the catacombs and the bones of those who were part of that very first generation of believers. They've been in the ground waiting for almost 2,000 years. We preach this resurrection, but uh, as up to today, as up to this moment, we have yet to see or experience that resurrection. And so the question can be asked, when will this finally happen? When will be that day? And here Paul fixes the time of our resurrection and ties it to the return of Jesus Christ. Let me say this carefully, and, and, and I want to. I know there's a lot of. We, we get so caught up in uh, the prophetic uh, uh, vibe or the prophetic spirit of the hour. I, I can't hardly turn on a, a TV or a radio or, 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 or go online without hearing about the uh, Antichrist and, uh, and Mark of the Beast and. Uh, you know, this uh, doctor so-and-so's got this one, and brother so-and-so's got that one, and sister so-and-so's got that one. And, and we hear so much about uh, tribulations, and, and, and you know, people have been talking, you know, and every time something happens, a, a Russia invades a country, a pandemic sweeps the world, uh, some other event happens. Uh, what's the first thing we do? We, 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 we run to the, 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 the Internet or we run to the TV and we want to see what, what so-and-so so has to say about this or has to say about that. And, and I'm not saying you can't do that. It, it's, I know it's interesting. And I know it, I, I, I understand why we care about such things. But for these first believers, there was only one event that mattered to them about the return of Jesus Christ. They knew that when he appeared, 
Hallelujah. Somebody praise God. That when Christ came back to this world, the very first thing that was going to take place was the resurrection of the righteous death. Let me talk to you about that for just a moment. Notice what he says here. Each in their own order or at their own time. First, Christ. He was the pioneer. He was the apostle of the resurrection. He was the first to go. He cleared the path. He showed the way. He, he made it so that others could follow after him. He goes first. And then after him, those who belong to him when he returns. Now, nothing is said here of what will happen to the wicked. You'll have to go to other places in Scripture to understand when they are resurrected. And we can talk a little bit about that in a few moments. But I want you to understand that the next and most important event in the Christian calendar is the return of Jesus Christ. And its importance is directly correlative to the resurrection of the righteous. They are simultaneous events. One is the cause of the other. When Christ comes, he will bring all those who sleep in him with him. Hallelujah. When Christ comes, I know we think about, again, prophetically, we think about all of the other things that are going to happen and, and accompany those things. But at the very center of why Jesus Christ is returning to this world. He is returning to this world to call to him all those who have put their faith in him throughout all of the generations. The resurrection is the reason, one of the reasons for his return. He must come so that we can live. He must come so that we can be called forth from our graves. He must come. You cannot divide the coming of Christ from the resurrection of the righteous. Now, I know some will dispute here and say, well, what about the rapture? And then there's seven years, and then there's this, and then there's that. That's not Paul's point here, and I'm not going to get sidetracked on that. We'll talk about that in different contexts in other passages of Scripture. But here we are told point blank that the chief sign or the chief thing that happens when Christ returns is that the righteous are resurrected out of their grave, out of the power of death. Think about that. Let your imagination run a little wild. Think about that bright appearing, that day arising. Think about that one coming the sound unlike a sound you've ever heard in all of your life. Yeah. A sound that is literally loud enough to wake the dead. Yeah. A sound that, I don't know, the Bible says that when God created the earth originally, all of the morning stars shouted for joy and sang together in worship. Oh, that must have been a sound. I know the scientists would say they'd call it the Big Bang and let them have their moment. But I tell you what, whatever that sound was, that sound that filled all of heaven and all the earth and all of the worlds in between, when Christ comes, he is coming with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. First. 
before anything else happens, before he does anything else, before he sets foot on the Mount of Olives, before he does anything in regard to what's going on in the world of that time, the first act of his coming is to call the dead in Christ to his side, to re reunite them with their bodies, their newly created bodies. The prophet of old said he saw, Enoch said he saw the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints. You look at that beautiful picture and you read a little bit about it in Revelation as he comes down from heaven and the horses and the armies of heaven coming with him and, and you wonder where are all this, where did this number come from? Who are all these? who are arrayed in white. Who are all these with the crowns upon their head? Who are all these who are following the Lord out of heaven? These are the righteous dead. These are those who have given their life for the, the, their faith and for their service to the kingdom of God. These are those whose tears have been dried and whose sorrows have been put, banished away. These are the ones who called, has raised from the dead to rule and reign with Christ. I know we typically get to the resurrection and then our imagination sort of stalls. Some see uh, some see people sitting on harps or sitting on clouds playing harps in white robes. I don't think that's a biblical picture, but some see it that way. Some just imagine some sort of eternal bliss of some sort. Uh, just, just it, it defies the human imagination to think about what it will be like once we are resurrected. And yet Paul gives us a very interesting clue in this passage. I don't know if you noticed it, but when he says, afterward those who are Christ at his coming, he follows it with the words, then the end will come, or then comes the end. What does he mean by that? He tells us what he means by that. The end will be when the kingdom is delivered to God the Father, and all rule and authority and power has been put down. That tells me something very interesting, Pastor. It tells me that at the time of Christ's return and at the time of our resurrection, there will, it will be a time of great battle and conflict for the kingdom. I want you to think about that. When do nations call their citizens to duty? When do nations call their citizens to step up leave their normal, ordinary, mundane lives behind and step into a greater cause. When there is conflict, when there is invasion, when there is threat, when the very conditions of the world at that time represent a threat to the nation, then the people are called upon to set aside their ordinary lives and come and join the leaders of the nations in battle. I believe Paul is describing this very event here, very briefly. It gets built up a little bit more in other passages, chiefly Revelation 19. If you were to go home and study that passage today and read it along with this verse, you'd see a very interesting connection. 
that as Christ is returning to this world, this world is under authorities and rulers and powers that are hostile to the kingdom of God. The world is under rulers and authorities and powers who cannot be defeated except by the returning Christ and his resurrected church. I am humbled. It boggles my mind. Now we know at a word, just by speaking a word, Christ could accomplish anything that needed to be accomplished. And yet he brings us back from the dead for the very purpose of sharing in his victory not just over death, but over all of those archons, all of those exousias, all of those dunamises. Those are the Greek words, right? Ruler is an archon, one who is preeminent, one who is first among others, one who has raised themselves up to a position of, of influence and authority. Think about what our world is like today. Now imagine it ten times worse. Are those who are in rule today, are they sympathetic and supportive of the kingdom of God? Or are they openly defiant and hostile? Think about the authorities of our day. I was, uh, I was looking at some things online last week. And uh, I've been invited to consider uh, working part-time as a, a chaplain at one of the, the local ministries. And I was just looking at their, their agreement that you have to sign. And it basically is an agreement where you have to agree to not be Christian when you do it. You have to be respectful of all uh, other uh, lifestyle choices and religious choices. And, 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 and I said, you know, I, I'm not there to, I understand when you're in that position, I, I understand legally why they're in that position. Yeah. I do. I, I get it. The legal authorities of our day have lost their minds. Yeah. And they've, they've totally and completely given themselves over to all perversion and wickedness and, and, and evil thing. And, and to exist in their world, you have to make so many compromises. And I, I was asking myself the question, if I'm standing at the side of a dying soul, could I really refrain? Could I hold back? Could I say to this one dying, well, listen, I can't tell you what I think. So whatever you, however you want to believe, whatever happens next, that's, that's up to you and your family to decide that. And my, my heart just, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do that with a clear conscience. Couldn't say with a clear conscience, it doesn't matter how you've lived and it doesn't matter what you believe and, and, you know, however you want to go out, just go out. That's not, I'm not built that way. But when I think about the authorities and the powers and the rulers of this world and the fact that we are told that they're going to continue to increase in their authority and in their power and that it will only be when Christ returns 
Then comes the end. All these rulers and all these authorities and all these powers that have exalted themselves against the knowledge of God. All of these strongholds that have been established. All of these principalities and powers and dominions and mights that think themselves to be something in this world. They've seen, they've carved out for themselves little kingdoms, little spheres of influence. They, they've built their, 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 their power bases around the rich and the wealthy and the influential and the famous. They take no thought for the souls they destroy. They take no thought for the lives that are lost to feed their rapacious greed and lust. They have infiltrated the schools, the universities, the courthouses. They sit in the halls of power, governor's mansions, White Houses, Congresses, all over this nation and all over this world. They have built a web of, 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 of destruction that is not just physically destroying the planet, but morally and spiritually and psychologically breaking down everything that it means to be human and in the image of God. And we have to believe and we must believe that before that final point of no return is crossed, as he did in the days of Noah, as he did in the days of Lot, when it got to the point that even the righteous, even the elect, Jesus said if he does not return in time, even the very elect will be deceived and will be lost. And I see some of the elect being deceived even today as they subscribe to these doctrines of demons and this theology of Satan. And so I must ask myself, what can undo this? What can pull down these strongholds? What can return the rightful rule and reign of the Creator and the Redeemer to this world? And there is ever only one answer to that question in my mind. Some will tell you the church, when the church finally gets its act together, I love the church, but the church has had 2,000 years to get its act together. And we've barely made a dent. Now, don't misunderstand me. The world is better today than it would have been without the church. By leaps and by bounds. The church has had a mighty influence as salt and light in this world. So much of what we call human rights and human dignity today finds its root in the gospel of Jesus Christ, even though those who proclaim such things would deny it. The church has done a good work in this world. Thank God for the church. But I am under no illusions that give us another 2,000 years and we'll eventually get this all under control. The powers that are arrayed against the church grow stronger and more influential by the day. We may be on the very brink, on the very tip of that period of time where the church has to go back into hiding or simply be taken out of this world to preserve it. 
I don't know. I know the longer we engage with the world, the more difficult it becomes for the church to be the church. I don't say this in hopelessness. There is no hopelessness in my voice. I hope you can hear that. I actually get excited at this point because I know that it is just before the dawn when things look the darkest. I know when things are at their absolute worst, God shows up. I know when you've, act, when you've reached the end of, how did you pray it this morning? All self-sufficiency. Then the sufficiency of God comes into play. And so I do not doubt for a moment that as these powers and authorities and rules continue to defy the will of God and continue to do their destructive work in the world, that even now, God is getting ready to send his son to rule and reign. But here's where the resurrection comes in. He is not coming to rule and reign alone. He is not coming to rule and reign alone. If we were to turn to that passage in Revelation, we would be told that blessed are those who have part in the first resurrection. There's a blessing to those who are in Christ when he comes. For they do not simply get returned to life. They do not simply get resurrected, but they get installed as kings and priests along with the returning Christ. Well, I don't know how you've envisioned your resurrected life. Maybe you thought you'd be able to just go on long interplanetary trips. Maybe I'll get to the moon after all. Amen? Just take a little trip in my resurrected body. Yeah. If the, it says it would be as the angels, is it not? Amen. If the angels can pass back and forth, I don't see why we can't be able to pass back and forth. I don't know how you've envisioned your resurrected life. Maybe you've envisioned it as you're just going to have, going to be able to do every little thing that you enjoy. You just be able to partake whatever the things you like to do. An endless cricket match, Pastor. Just, just, just a cricket match without end. Although from what I've been, what I've seen, there's quite a few of them that appear to be without end. They just keep on going. They just, just, they just keep doing wicked after wicked after wicked. Just keep on going. Maybe that's how you've envisioned it. Maybe you've envisioned it as just a time with your all your loved ones, your families from generations gone by. One great big reunion where you've got great, 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 great ancestors that you're just hanging out with and catching up. And I'm not saying that those things may not eventually take place. But listen, when we are brought back to life at Christ's return, we are on mission. We have been called to help him subdue a world in rebellion. We have been called to establish the authority of Christ over every living thing on this planet. We have been called to serve. Paul told Timothy, if you suffer with him, you will reign by his side. Joint heirs with Christ. Receiving a full portion. I could give you all the list of passages, but you know them. The ones where we talk about some getting five, some getting ten, some taking from one that failed and adding it to the one who had much. I could, we could talk about the parables of talents, 
parables of minas, and we could talk about a, a great judgment day where there's goats and there's sheep, and we could talk about all those things. And I believe all of that's going to be part of it all. We could talk about a thousand years over which Christ establishes his authority alongside his resurrected bride and his resurrected church. We could talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb, and that at the very end of that supper, one final rebellion, where Satan is loosed from his temporary prison and goes out and deceives the nations once more. All of these things are in your prophetic books. You know them as well as I do. You can read them. That's not what I can I didn't come here. I, I, I mentioned that as part of the story, but it's not to me the most interesting part of the story today. The part of the story today is that when Christ returns to take authority over this world, and let me just talk about, and I'll be closing in just a moment, let me just talk about this word, the kingdom. Because you see that mentioned in verse 24. It's important we understand what kingdom he's talking about. Because there's already a kingdom of God. There's no need to deliver up the kingdom of God to God. It's already his. But if I take you back into the book of Daniel, chapter 2, and you remember that story of the image, that had a head of gold, a chest of silver, and a waist and a bronze, and iron legs, and feet that were part clay and part iron. If you remember that story, you remember that in that vision, a rock struck the feet of that statue, or the part that was part iron and part clay. And Daniel says, and I'll just summarize, Daniel says, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. I believe this is what the apostles were talking about in Acts chapter 1. The last recorded conversation they had with Jesus Christ. They asked him one question. Wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The last recorded question they asked Jesus Christ was about the kingdom. They had an idea. They had an expectation. And Jesus didn't tell them, don't worry, that kingdom, that's just a spiritual thing. No, he said, it's not yet time for you to know. God has put all these things in his season. Your job is to go out there and be witnesses. Don't worry about when it's time to establish the kingdom. I I would talk to, I I pointed this out to one of my dominionist brothers once many years ago. I said, now what do you mean, what do you think Jesus meant by this when he said, don't worry about the kingdom? He'll take care of the kingdom. We're just to be witnesses. He didn't really have a very good answer for me. Yeah, if you don't know what a dominion is, they're the ones that think it's up to us to establish the kingdom. I think we're there. We establish the kingdom. We take over the word and we give it to Christ as a present. And then he returns. And I thought, and I said, and I pointed out that verse there in, in, in Acts chapter 1. And say, that's what they were talking about. And Jesus told them, don't worry about it. That's not for you. So he said, it's not for you. The kingdom he's talking about it is a kingdom that's described in many places in prophecy. A kingdom of the Messiah on earth. It's the kingdom of the Messiah on earth. It was promised to Abraham. It was promised to Isaac. It was promised to Jacob. It was promised to Joseph. It was promised to Moses. It was promised to David. David was told his son would sit on that throne. It's been an expectation among Jews and God-fearers for thousands of years that the Messiah will come and rule on earth over the kingdom of men. I believe this is the kingdom that Paul's talking about. And there's so many permutations of it, it would take another hour just to explain what all of it means. 
But I believe simply this, and then I'll bring it right here to the close. It says he must reign over this kingdom. Jesus reigns today. Can I get an amen to that? He already reigns. He's already enthroned. He's already King of kings and Lord of lords. He already sits on the throne. But there is a kingdom of men that is in rebellion to their heavenly overlord. There's a kingdom of men that were given a kingdom to rule for themselves. All the way back, this goes all the way back to Genesis. What does he tell the first human beings that he creates on the planets? Take dominion. That's kingdom talk. Build a kingdom in this world that reflects the glory of the creator. Take the conditions of the creator's kingdom as personified and manifested in the Garden of Eden and extend not just the physical benefits, not just fruit trees and, and, and food that grows of its own accord and, 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 and a tree of life and a tree of, of knowledge. He doesn't just talk about the physical things, but take the very character of the kingdom, the peace, the love, the justice, the righteousness, the holiness, and extend it throughout all of the earth. And instead, what did we do? We said, no, let's take this kingdom for ourselves, not content to rule the kingdom as stewards of the heavenly king. We revolted and rebelled. What did Nimrod say? Let us build a tower. Let us build a tower so this God of heaven cannot do this to us again. And so from the very beginning, this kingdom of mankind has been in rebellion against its creator and its rightful king. But the Bible says one day a son of David will come. A seed of Abraham will come. The seed of a woman will come, and he will establish the kingdom. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up the rock, the kingdom of the rock. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when he comes again, it will be to establish this kingdom. Revelation tells you the story. Revelation 14 even sings the song, all the kingdoms of this world have now become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. Amen. We're in a cosmic battle. We fight the best we can while we're in this world. We try to live up to that call and that commission to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But we are not the ones that are going to establish this kingdom. This is the kingdom of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he will set foot in this world. And for a thousand years, he will put down every rule, every authority, every power. Those in heaven, those on earth, this rule and authority and power, it's not simply kings and prime ministers and presidents, but it's the spiritual forces behind them. Make no mistake about it. We all want to, we all shudder at the inhumanity of a Vladimir Putin. 
How can anyone be so deranged, so hellish, and yet don't be fooled? Vladimir Putin is cooperating with another force in power. I don't know all the details. I don't care about all the details. I know the devil's work when I see it. Whether he's given to it willingly or whether he has been deceived, it makes no difference in the end. There's an authority and a power that wants to use that military might and that political might to try to establish and expand its own kingdom. Don't get fooled by that. Read a little bit. Over the past few years, there has been a tremendous revival in the Ukraine. This nation was not chosen at random. There's been a tremendous work of God going on in the Ukraine. And now here comes the forces of darkness to say, no, we're going to put it down. We're going to destroy it. But one day, Jesus Christ is going to step out of glory. And the first thing he's going to do is call you and me to him. And yes, there'll be rewards. And yes, there'll be blessings. And yes, there'll be eternal bliss. But before we get to all that, he's going to say, brother, sister, son, daughter, we got work to do. we got a kingdom to build. Somebody praise God. Would you stand with me this morning? There's nothing more important to the return of Jesus Christ or to the resurrection. Let me say it more clearly. There's nothing more important to the doctrine of the resurrection of the righteous than the return of Jesus Christ. If he does not come, we cannot be raised. By his own promise, by his own word, he says, not just here in 1 Corinthians, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and other places. It ties, binds together with cement the return of Christ and the resurrection of the righteous. They are two parts of the same event. And for all of the other reasons that we've preached over the years, we add this reason to me to the top of that list. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. For as much as I want the Lord to come while I am alive, and I make no apologies for that, I pray the Lord comes while I am alive. I'd rather be raptured. Amen. I have no desire, no taste for death. I'll take my I'll take mine now, please. <laughs> I'm not I'm not. But I tell you, what, if the Lord delays, and he's, he he knows he knows the right time. If he delays, and I leave this world in the normal fashion, I will await his call, sword in hand, shield in hand. For I know when he does wake me up, we're going to war. When he calls me forth, I, I've, I've never been good with horses, but I'll figure it out. I'll trust that resurrected body to know, because I'm coming down. 
And I'm coming not just to spend an eternity just doing whatever I like to do, but I'm coming to help him. Amen. Rule with him. Reign with him. Serve with him. I don't know what capacity he's going to assign me. I don't imagine, I don't know how many of us will get a whole city to rule, or two, or three, or five. Maybe, I, I don't know. Whatever it is, whatever he assigns me, even if it's just to be the gatekeeper in one of those cities. Just make sure nothing bad gets in. I got my shield, I got my sword. Here I stand. When he calls us, we're coming to his side to join him in the destruction of all of those powers that have exalted themselves against God. And I didn't even get to the best part. We didn't get to the last enemy that we're going to destroy. We'll talk about that later. Oh, Father God, thank you so much. I pray, Lord, for as much as we desire your return, let us desire it for this reason. It is at your return we shall be raised. What a hope. Even so, Lord, come. Come now. Come today. We've already put enough in the ground. We've said enough goodbyes. We would rejoice if today was that day. But if not, Lord, give us the patience that only comes from having this hope. To know that all of our labor here is not in vain. We are setting up the foundations of your kingdom. We are laying the groundwork. We are the advanced force. We have been sent into enemy territory to rescue and ransom as many as have been taken captive before that day comes. Help us, oh God, not to forget what we're here to do. For these things we give thanks. In Jesus' name. Brother, would you come and serve the congregation? We sang earlier about the cross of Calvary. And that really serves as the foundation of this ultimate victory. He can conquer, according to the book of Revelation, because he is the lamb who was slain. He is worthy to receive this kingdom because he is the lamb who was slain. It all goes back to Calvary. It all comes back to this body and this blood. If he had not given his life, there would have been no resurrection. He could have chosen a different path. He could have taken an easier course. He could have settled for the satanic offer of glory and power without sacrifice. But he did not. He stayed faithful. He stayed faithful. He rejected the temporary rulership of the kingdoms of this world for the cross so that he might inherit the eternal kingdom. He saw, as those of the faith that came before him saw, the city whose builder and maker was God. And he was willing to go to his death to purchase that on our behalf. Thank you, Lord.
Father, we bless this bread today. We thank you for it. Your body, your body, glorified now, but then suffered. The body that is glorified today was once like ours. It knew the aches, it knew the pains, it knew the sufferings, it, it knew the taste of death. But as you were then, so we are now. And as you are today, so we will be. So we thank you for this body. We bless it. We give thanks for it. In Jesus' name. Take, eat, be made whole. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Father God, I thank you for this cup. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For this pardon, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I will thank you for this cup today. Thank you for not only did you forgive, not only does this blood cleanse, not only does this blood restore, but this blood gives me new life, eternal life, resurrected life, life everlasting, the life of the Son of God. For this we give thanks. We bless this cup in Jesus' name. Take and drink. May the life of Christ be renewed in you today. Bless the Lord. Thank God for his mercy, goodness, and his kindness. And thank God for the promise of his return. Hallelujah. For then the trumpet shall sound. The voice of the archangel shall cry out. The shout will go forth. Arise, my child. Arise. Hallelujah. Arise, O thou that sleepest. Let the Lord give thee life. Thank God for the hope of his return. Does anyone need prayer this morning before we let you go? Some of you come and help us pray. I need to see the banks, get some education bills, get some documents from the bunker, the five states. Father God, we thank you.
for this opportunity, God. Yes, Lord. We know, Lord, the steps of the righteous yes. are ordered yes. by your hand. Yes. Go before him, God. Yes. Let the pillar go before him. Let the cloud go before him. Prepare the ground. Yes, Lord. Prepare the soil. Yes, Lord. Prepare the hearts and minds of those, O oh God. God. Give him favor. Yes. Give him grace, O oh God. Lord, bless this journey. Yes, Lord. Let this journey not only be a win for the for the for the finances. Yes. But for him, oh yes. God, yes. his peace of mind, yes. oh God, minister through him. Yes. Let him be an instrument yes. for you wherever he goes. Yes. For you, Lord, shall receive the glory, yes. the honor, and the praise. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. A quick prayer for my sister, Annie, who was um, diagnosed with uh, bipolar psychosis, a mental illness. I mean, she functions very well within the episodes when she could be out of control. She recently recommitted her life to the Lord. She's in California, but and she needs prayer. Father God, we put this sister in your care. She's given her heart, her life to you. Her mind, her body, her soul, her spirit are yours. We ask you to bring healing in Jesus' name. Whatever is wrong, be it biological be it psychological, be it spiritual. It matters not to the great physician. For you are every bit the healer of the mind as you are of the body. You are the one who can make whole, restore what has been lost. Father, we pray today for a divine touch. Reach your hand down, Lord, and touch her today. We give you your care in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Go in the name of Jesus Christ. This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and on Wednesdays at 7.45 p.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org or if you're in the Broward County area, We would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.